Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and you know what? We're back for another one, so let's just get right into it. However you got here today, whether it was on an audio podcast platform like Apple, Spotify, etc., or watching on YouTube, thank you. Go ahead and subscribe if you haven't yet. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Click the link in our bio on both profiles to purchase merch or go to shop.believe.com. Again, three different kinds of shirts available, covering our bases, safer out, and catch you soon. All right, let's go through today's batting order. First, we'll be covering our bases. I'll give you some news and call-outs from around the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview with Rachel Lawson. She has been the face of Kentucky softball for 15-plus years, so I'm super excited to get her on the pod. Then we'll end things with the Foul Tip of the Week, where we share tips to help us get better. All right, let's get started. Covering our bases. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything. Bet Online is your sports headquarters this year. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. And today, where I want to start is just shedding some light on a few programs that might not be getting as much attention in college softball. So first is Indiana. Right now, they have a program record 22 straight wins going into this weekend. They have seven run rules during that time and a dozen games where they've scored double-digit runs in those wins. Pretty incredible, like pretty impressive. They swept Ohio State this past weekend. They scored 33 runs in three games got a couple Big Ten weekly awards, and they're scattered in the rankings. You know, they're receiving votes in the NFCA coaches poll and the ESPN poll. They're number 25 in Softball America, number 19 in D1 Softball, and number 18 in Extra Inning Softball. So I just want us to keep an eye on the Hoosiers. Second is Marshall. 21-game win streak that they have going for them, and they're undefeated in the Sun Belt Conference. Their pitcher, Sidney Nestor, her and Valerie Cagle from Clemson are the only pitchers in D1 with at least 18 wins and an ERA under one. Let that sink in for a second. That is pretty impressive as well. And yes, their strength of schedule has been a bit lower than some other programs, but I just have to give them credit for getting it done. You know, they're 31 and three currently on the season. So I think it's big too, by the way, when power five teams go two mid-majors, and they go play them at their place. You know, for example, Alabama's going to go to Marshall soon. It's on the schedule. Stanford went to Wichita State and Fullerton, and they're actually going to go to BYU and Fresno State. Those things are on the schedule too. So I just think that's good for growth and visibility as well, to see those teams in their home environments. So third, got to give it up to Cal Softball. I actually called the games on Pac-12 Network with Utah playing at Cal this past weekend in the series, and it was a fun one. Like, let me tell you, and I have to say and give credit to Haley Archer, who has made just such a mental adjustment, going from being a little bit wild in the circle, and now she has a career-best 1.68 ERA as of today. She has 
turned into the ace. She is leading the team in terms of innings pitched. And that is something that is a real sign of growth for her throughout her career. And Elon Butler, the freshman, I love seeing the young ones making an impact too. She's Pac-12 freshman of the week this week. She hit two home runs in game three, which clinched the series for Cal against the ranked Utah Utes. So it's no surprise to me, at least, that they've made it into the top 25 rankings for the first time since 2018, at least number 25 with D1 softball. They're still trying to break into the other rankings, but it made sense to me for them to get some sort of recognition because what Chelsea Spencer has done, she's only in her third season there and they were a sub 500 team. And then she had the COVID year that she was coming into with the modified schedule in 2021. That was her first season. And then she's built them to what they are now, which is breaking into the rankings. And I'm really interested to see what they do come postseason because they should definitely be there. And then to bring it home, Just a broadcast update. So for this weekend, I am calling the Arizona at Stanford series. It's a ranked matchup in Palo Alto, and it's going to be a good one. Last year, Stanford took the series in Tucson for the first time ever in program history. And then obviously, we all know, Arizona went on to make it to the Women's College World Series as an unseeded team. So to watch these games, I really want to call this out because there's a bit of a misconception here. The links are in both Arizona and Stanford softball schedule. If you go to their websites, just scroll down to the game that you're trying to watch and click watch, and it'll literally take you directly there. It's also just on pack-12.com, and you can tune in for free. So you can watch your Pac-12 teams. Please do, and this one's going to be an extra special one. But someone else who's competing this weekend is today's guest. So let's head into the interview. She is the Kentucky head coach. Winning his coach in program history, 2016 SEC Coach of the Year, leader of the 2014 NFCA Coaching Staff of the Year, and All-Atlantic 10 player at UMass, Rachel Lawson. Coach, I'm really excited to, to actually get to chat with you instead of just seeing you on Twitter. Well, that's awesome. I can't believe you have me on. So this is this is an honor for sure. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I've been wanting to do this for a while, and I have to tell you, too, maybe I should start with, I actually know Brittany Cervantes. Um, she was on this show back in season one. She and I played on the same, our first ever travel ball team together growing up in Southern California. So we've talked about you a little bit on the show before. <laughs> uh I'm kind of scared. How adorable was she when she was little? Was she a cute little kid or how does that work? She was cute. She was tall. Okay. Dude, I remember her being, I was also really young on the young side. So like I was oh. a little shorter than everyone else when I was younger, not anymore for the record, but yes, <laughs> She was sweet. We actually still once in a while, I'll see these like throwback photos pop up from some of our teammates from back then. And it's pretty entertaining. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's really funny. But I also like, I love that she's been your director of operations too. Um, It's so cool that she's been that close to the program just even after she's been done playing for Kentucky, but she was also your first recruit. Is that right? Yeah. Well, so Brittany was my first ever recruit at Kentucky. So it's really awesome. I was at a different school during her recruiting time. And I told everyone I knew to recruit her because I didn't believe she'd go to that other school. Well, turns out she like broke her hand or finger or something. And so kind of put her on the shelf recruiting. So the first thing I did when I got the Kentucky job is I went to find that girl. So it was, uh, it's pretty cool. And now she's, she's actually in her fourth job with me. So it's pretty crazy. 
whether she was a volunteer or an intern or a GA, and now she's the director of ops. So uh, yeah, we, we kid around. This is a, She goes away, she plays softball, she leaves me, and then she comes back. So I'm kind of worried, though, she's getting in that time period where she's probably going to want to go you know, overseas and do something. So I'm trying to hold on to her as long as I can. <laughs> yeah, she goes away to play softball, and it's yeah. not casual, like the Olympics we're talking about, too. <laughs> She just leaves and then you don't hear from her for like four years and then you get a phone call. It's like, all right, I'm ready to come back now. And then you have to find a job for her. You know, luckily she's good at everything. So uh, don't tell her I said that though. But uh, okay, good. Yeah, that stays uh, with us. Yeah, that, that is what she does. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's very impressive and it makes sense, right? Because I feel like student athletes, you kind of have that in you, you know, from your experience when you, when you play and when you go to school and all the things you learn from this life. Oh, and she has no fear of anything, which is nice. So she's, she'll do it. You know, she'll literally do anything. She's, she's got that quality going on, but you know, we don't need to talk about her anymore. So, <laughs> well, the one other thing I have to mention is because I've been very entertained. I mentioned your Twitter already, but you both tweeting, but I think she started it with like the life with coach Lawson and the life with Brittany Cervantes tweets are very entertaining for your day to day, uh, working together. <laughs> It's all real, not embellished. Like it's it's the real. It is something. I I I think everybody should have to experience Kentucky softball for a few days. I think I don't know if they would enjoy it or they would appreciate their life a little bit better, but it is definitely something. Well, and I just love that you both can make fun of each other in a very lighthearted way. You know, like that that sense of humor piece I think is important too, especially with. I mean, softball is hard. You know, it's oh, a grind. Yeah. So. It is, you know, it, it's such a grind, it's a grind for the athletes. People forget it's a grind for the coaches. It's a grind for the staff. I mean, anyone who's associated with softball, uh, baseball has it also like we do. There's just so many games and life is, you know, when they first said, Hey, we're going to play 56 games plus a postseason," like the life wasn't like it is now. I mean, it's, it's really, really, really kind of crazy. So I definitely think you got to keep it light. Yes. A hundred percent. I see your behind the scenes stuff in the office with the whole staff too. And it looks fun. It definitely looks fun to to be a part of Kentucky softball. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, they probably would not say it's fun being with me, but I have a good time. So that's all that matters. <laughs> but I love that you have that with your staff and with your players too, because I'll also see your funny tweets. I know we're still on Twitter, but I'm very entertained. Like I said, I I see stuff that you tweet, like you'll reshare something that Kayla Kowalik tweets yeah. and you're like, I have no idea what she just said. And it's usually some sort of Gen Z like slang or something. And that's also I, funny. Yeah, I never know what this girl's talking about. I have deleted her Twitter account like four times, and she gets mad when I do. Then I bring it back, and I don't know why it's always on my feed too. And then I have <laughs> to ask someone else, "What is Kayla talking about?" Like, I have no idea. But who's funny? Yeah, it is very funny. But I again, I think it's cool that you have that relationship with your players and your staff because it feels like it's a big part of your culture. The just close knit relationships that you have. Well, yeah, I, I kind of have the belief that in order for you to become your best, you have to enjoy where you're at, you know, and, and like you had mentioned before, it's a grind. Sports is difficult. You know, emotions are high. You know, the thing about softball, you have so many highs and so many lows so quickly. You know, it's not like a football where you, you have a game and they have seven days to like figure it out and then you or six days and then you, you play again in softball. You have to turn it around in like, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes or something like that. And, and it's just a constant roller coaster. So the, so the more that your team is attached to each other and, and the more the, you know, the, uh, coaches understand the players and, and the better your environment is, I think you're able to weather the storm a little bit better. Yeah, that's very, very true. Very true. 
And you've been there for over 15 years. That's kind of yeah, crazy. It is crazy to think about. Um, you know, it feels like I just started five years ago sort of situation. But I guess that's a good thing when you have a job that can fly by that quickly and you've enjoyed the whole thing. But yeah, I can't believe I've been here this long either. <laughs> I mean, it's really cool because I think, you know, when you think about certain coaches at certain programs, they kind of, they're synonymous with that program. You know, you think of like Carol Hutchins at Michigan and, and just other examples. I feel that way with you, with Kentucky. Like, I feel like Rachel Lawson, it, you are Kentucky softball in a great way. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I love Kentucky. It's a great place. I love our AD. love, you know, the whole environment is great. Lexington is an awesome place to live. You know, I could do without the weather a little bit being in the SEC. But, um, you know, everything about it is just awesome. So it's an easy place to stay. And then, you know, luckily my AD takes care of my staff, so I don't have a big turnover there either. So we've been able to really, you know, so as long as I've been here, you know, Himes has been with me. Molly was a player here before we showed up. She's technically been in Lexington longer. Um, so it's just, it's really cool to have, you know, to know that you have that kind of support so you can keep your family together. Whereas at other places you have to leave, um, in order to, to climb or, you know, get good pay or, or take care of your family or whatever the case is at Kentucky, you know, our, our boss takes care of us. And, and that's a big thing in softball. Yeah, it is. It is. I think it just seems, I've never been to Lexington specifically. I've been to Kentucky before. For nationals, you know, at one point during travel ball, because I feel like we've all been everywhere at that point. Um, but it seems like a just cool place to live to your point. Like the Kentucky Derby is like a cool cultural aspect of it. And I don't know, it just seems like the the environment that you're in and the larger community is cool as well. Oh, it is. You know, it, when I first got here, I, well, I didn't even know where Kentucky really was. You know, back then there wasn't Google and well, I guess there was, but I had to go to the weather channel. I'm like, you want me to go where, you know, and I actually had a job in the state of Kentucky before this. Um, and I literally went to the weather channel to see, I was like, oh, where am I moving? And I didn't know what to expect, but I'll tell you, you're right. It's, it's, a, it's like a hidden gen because you have all the seasons, you have four seasons, which is great. None of them are extreme which is also nice. Um, the people are just, you know, they're fun. They're, they're blue collar. They look forward to Kentucky basketball, the Derby, um, like a lot of little traditions, which helps keep it just awesome. You know, they love NASCAR, but at the same time they love football and basketball because we're SEC country um, and they're great. And then, and then the big blue nation is everywhere. And I, it obviously starts with basketball, but it's definitely, you know, trickled into the other sports. So, you know, it's a, it's a sports place because we don't have pro sports in Kentucky. So, you know, the University of Kentucky is the pro team, you know, and you have Louisville, of course, over there a little bit. But, um, you know, you go to the grocery store, you go wherever, everyone knows who you are. And so it's just a really fun community. It is really fun. Does that feel like there's extra pressure also because you have so much support? Well, no, I mean, I definitely feel it's my responsibility to take care like of my part of the big blue nation, which is softball, but I wouldn't call it pressure. I mean, there's so much pressure from ourselves internally to, to compete at a high level. There's pressure from Kentucky to compete at the high level. You know, you go to the sec because you want to win championships and you want to be there. So that pressure already exists, but I definitely feel responsible that I, to always put out a good products on the field, because I know there, there's a ton of people that spend a lot of time and a lot of money watching Kentucky softball. So I feel like it's my responsibility to give them everything that I have and, and to put out a fun, great team that is respectful of them because that, you know, it, it's all part of it. And I think it's, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. 
Well, that sounds like that's leadership too, sort of in a nutshell, is having that responsibility. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I, you know, I don't think of it that way, you know, but yeah, I mean, we've got this beautiful stadium and we get a lot of money to travel and, you know, everything's great. And that's all supported by the Big Blue Nation. So yeah, it is my, that is my job, I guess. So I guess as the leader of the team, that, that is what I should do. Yeah. Speaking of the stadium, John Crop Stadium seems awesome. Like that's the place I haven't been, which I, I need to fix that soon, but it seems like an amazing environment that you have. Yeah, we would love to have you here. You know, it, it's one of those things in the preseason, though, you don't want to come to Kentucky because you know, the weather, you, you can be 60 or it can be 20. And so we always go play your people um, out. <laughs> you know, we go to, you know, Mary Nutter or Arizona or whatever the case is. And, th- and that's awesome. Um, but it is a really, really cool place to play. Um, it's, you know, you come out here in end of March and April and May or whatever. The crowd is, t- it's beautiful. You know, the environment around is great. The stadium itself is gorgeous. Our, it's just it's what softball, you know, when, you know, back when you were playing and I was playing way before you and all that, that's what we had aspired to and what we had hoped for. And now it's, it's a realization for, for today's student athletes. I think it's really cool. I do have to say too, that the SEC has really been just a leader in, on that front Mm -hmm. Uh, and thinking about more than just softball for women's sports, but also softball specifically, the, anytime I've played at an SEC school, even though everyone was rooting against me and my team. <laughs> it was still a very cool environment and it was just cool to see the support and the presence. And you're right. It was like people showed up like they would to a pro game to mm-hmm. some of these. And it was a really, I think, valuable experience as well, just to have that feeling as an athlete. Oh yeah. When we, even whether it's in conference or you're playing a monster, like a, we had Oklahoma here last year and people were waiting for two hours to get into the game to be able to, to get their seats and stuff like that, which is, I mean, it's also, even though, you know, everybody knows that the odds of beating Oklahoma aren't great. They were there to watch a great competition against your team. And that's what SEC people do, whether it's here or it's in Georgia or, you know, Florida or whatever the case is, people understand great sports and great competition. So they will, they will show up, they will come out and uh, it's, I think it's the best part of the SEC. I mean, I know there's always an SEC Pac-12 or Big Ten, you know, Big 12 sort of thing going on, but it's undeniable that the fan base in the SEC really has helped drive the sport of softball. And the nice thing is, though, that's starting it. I think that has really helped, you know, create a lot of other good stuff, other parts of the country, which is awesome. A hundred percent. Yeah, there's no no doubt that it has been like that ripple effect for our sport. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you ever feel like fans are so invested that that's a little bit of pressure too? Because they can, at least from my experience, I've heard fans when I played there, for example, like they'll get on their own team too a little bit, you know, not just us. (laughs) We played at an SEC opponent a year ago. I won't say who, because I was appalled about how they were yelling at their own team and their own team is actually good. It made me so angry that I, you know, acted out in the stadium, like made him mad at me because I was so, you know, not happy for their third baseman who was just getting yelled at for no reason. Um, but yeah, it's, a, uh, it, it is, but you know, like I talk, you know, with my players, I say everybody's best quality is also their worst quality in certain situations. So, and so a fan, cause I'm a fan of, you know, Kentucky sports as well, but yeah. like, 
every fan, the best side is you support, you come out, you, you know, you donate, you buy tickets, you do whatever. And that's what creates TV and stadiums and all that. And that is amazing. But just like the good stuff of a fan, there's an opposite side of it. You're so invested that you take it personally. So when things are not going your own way, you, you know, you get a little passionate about it, but again, you got to take the good with the bad. Well, and the fact that people care that much about softball, pretty Mm -hmm. cool. You know, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what, even when I'm getting yelled at, I'm like, but you're here. Yeah. <laughs> and that, like, to me, you just keep yelling, you bring it on because you're in the stadium and you're yelling at me, which means you want to be here. And so if you need a villain, I will be your villain as long <laughs> as you, you know, you keep showing up. But I, I just think that is, you know, that's good. But that's part of, you know, I think one of the things that does some coaches in is they don't learn how to manage that stuff mm. internally. So if you let that, they, you know, obviously, believe it or not, people say don't listen to the fans. I actually do listen because once in a while, somebody might say something that I had never thought of before. Um, but the key is you have to be able to filter it and you have to be able to separate yourself and not take it personally. Or when you, do, well, obviously you take it personally, but you have to be able to take a breath and manage it and know where it's coming from. And I think that skill is what separates, you know, the top 25 head coaches from a lot of other people. I think people think that you get paid because you just know X's and O's, you know, hitting or, you know, pitching or, you know, you're great like that. But I think one of the things that really, really uh, helps great coaches, not, I'm not saying I'm a great coach, but one of the things that I look at great coaches, what I see is that their ability to manage all of that stuff. I think that's why you get the big bucks, to be honest with you. Well, I would say, yes, you are in that category as a great coach. If you're not going to say it, I'll say it. So that's fine. (laughs) That's what I'm here for. (laughs) You know, it's like everything else as a coach, you aspire, you look at, so I like to study coaches. So you're always aspiring to, you know, reach that pinnacle, you know, in softball, that's obviously coach Gasso. I mean, like nobody, I mean, I don't think it's arguable that she's the goat, you know what I mean? So when you look at stuff like that and you just see how she manages her team and does everything, that's just exceptional. And then of course you have to look at places like UCLA and, you know, you know, Arizona with Kendra and stuff like that. And you just look at those people and you're just like, wow, you were so cool. And you were, you were just great for so many years, you know, coach Hutch, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I, I got a little, got a little way to go, but you know, I do love the sport and, you know, I hope to, you know, one day reach that level that they're at. When I love the the saying that you also point back to a lot is till the battle is won. Mm-hmm. And that seems like it's something that's a thread through everything that you guys do. Yeah, it's my favorite Kentucky saying, to be honest with you. You know, a lot of teams have, you know, the go cats, roll tide, you know, go gators, whatever it is. But I think in Kentucky, the till the battle is won, it's you know, it's part of our fight song and stuff. And I think it just I think it says so much for so many things, whether it's in a sport or, you know, you're, you're battling with an illness or whatever it, it, the point is you got to keep up hope and you got to, you know, you got to stay at it. You know, you got to stay in the moment, but you got to stay at it and you can't, you know, when something's not going your way, you got to be able to pick yourself up. And I just think it's such a great metaphor for just about everything in life. I think it's cool. It is cool. I mean, I, when I've seen that like on social media and things, I'm like, yeah, that's a good, for me, I'm even like, yeah, I like that. I'm inspired now, (laughs) you know? It means a lot more to me than just a phrase in a, in a fight song. I I mean, when I look at it's on our hitting building. So when I look at it every day, it's a reminder that, you know, no matter how irritating something may be, you got to take a breath and you just got to keep at it. And I think it's a, it's a really cool place for it because I see it every single day. And I think it's a really cool, cool thing. Yeah. What are some other go-to concepts or sayings or whatever it is that you kind of lean on as a coach? 
I'll tell you, I've changed a lot over the years. I'm I'm such a matter of fact person that um, I was like, just, you know, shut up and get to work. You know, like just, you know, what are you doing? You know, don't worry about it. And I know that that's not realistic. I think um, the thing that I learned a few years back, it, it's something that stuck with me. So it, your eyes only see what your mind already knows. So if your mind doesn't know it, it, it might be obvious, something might be very obvious to you because it's already a part of you. And so when you see it, it you're like, oh, that makes some sense to me because it, it's internally already there. And so I think one of the things that's changed in my coaching is I'm trying to get things to be a part of them. So when it happens outside of them, they can recognize it quicker. So it's if it's not already there, you've got to find a way to get it in there. And, the, and that's, it's a trick, you know, you got to use a bunch of different ways to do it. But that that's something that has changed over the course of year in my time. And that's something I don't really say that to my team as much, but um, it's definitely something as a coach that I think about every single day. What percentage do you feel like you said it earlier, it's really way more than X's and O's, right? So what percentage do you feel like of your time and your efforts go into the X's and O's versus sort of all of these other elements of managing people and relationships and in the entire program? Well, I'll say that has changed too. I used to not spend near enough time um, with the relationship piece. And I just took for granted that everyone knew I cared about them. You know, I just took for granted. I'm like, dude, I am here every day. I think about you, you know, I probably think about my players and what's best for them too much. To be honest with you, it's probably not healthy since they're not my own kids. Um, but I just, I didn't do a good job verbalizing it or showing it or whatever. Um, and so I've tried to be a little more available so they can see a little bit more of the human side of me. Um, I heard this from a coach along. It's funny. It wasn't a softball coach. It was one of my parents' dads who was a basketball coach and he was a travel coach. So it was just a really good dude. And he had heard this, one of his people a long time ago said this and made a lot of sense. So before practice started, he made sure that he connected with all of the people that he might not see during practice on that day or spend a lot of time with that day. So because I'm the pitching coach, I get to see the pitchers in the bullpen all the time. I'm obviously spending a lot of time with them, but I mean, I might not spend hardly any time with let's say the first baseman or something like, or, or an outfielder because they don't come in and catch in the bullpen. So it's, it's, important for me that I make sure that I connect with the people that I'm not going to see at practice near as much so that, that I kn- they know that I'm still behind them and that, you know, I care about them and I'm thinking about it. Cause I definitely think about them and I plan for them every day, but I might not physically see them. And when they don't know that, or they don't see that, sometimes they feel a little bit too distant and I'm not great at it, but I'm, I'm definitely working on it. It's amazing how so many things come back to communication too. Mm-hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like half the thing in my life, whenever I have this aha moment, I'm like, oh, communication, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day. I find that a lot of things that distract players and distract, well, at least distract my players, there are always wondering what I'm thinking. And the crazy part to me is I tell them what I'm thinking all the time, but it's like they don't believe it. And if I'm not saying anything, I'm really just not thinking about it. But they always are wondering what I'm thinking. And it's distracting. And it's distracting for them. So I'm trying to do a better job of doing that. And I'm trying to ask them open-ended questions so I can figure out what they're thinking about so I can help them. I can help them along their journey because you just, it's so easy to get distracted in today's day and age. If you're always focusing on someone else's value or you're focusing on what they're doing or what they're thinking, it, it really takes you out of your moment. And so I'm trying my best to 
understand how to keep them in their moment. And if there's any sort of stuff going on out here, I try to at least assuage them. And, and then what they do with that information is up to them. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. It is distracting. I mean, and I think as players or anytime, even in the working environment, when you have a boss, sometimes it's easy to, I'm an overanalyzer anyway, I'll be honest, but sometimes it's easy to really easy to get caught up in that. And you start kind of creating narratives in your head and that might not be the case at all. So again, yeah, communication. Yeah. Now the nice thing is, so this generation has no, I mean, they don't really understand authority. They really don't. (laughs) And it's okay. I mean, it's just the way it is. They didn't grow up with it. You know, they grew up with Twitter, not, you know, they grew up with being able to like search things on the internet and whatever. So they didn't have to go to people. So they don't, Mm. I think the one thing about this generation is they really don't understand authority. They don't understand teachers. They don't understand that stuff. So they're not afraid to come in and ask a meeting, ask why they're not playing or ask whatever. Now on the flip side though, I tell them if you're coming in here, you got to be ready for real talk. And so they handle that well, but one, one of the common themes are, so let's say someone wants playing time. One of the common things are they're spending so much time thinking about me and not me pulling them out or me putting them in or me, whatever, that they're not focusing on the game. Mm. And when I tell them, if you're focused on what I'm going to do or focused on me, that means you are not focused on the game. And that's one surefire way of not getting in the game. So as hard as it is, you've got to figure out how to separate the two. And when you feel those thoughts come in your mind, you have to be able to refocus on the sport because if your attention isn't on softball is too hard of a sport to not have your attention and focus in the minute, you're going to get smashed in the face by a ground ball, or you're going to strike out, or, I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but it's not an easy sport. You can't, you can't drift and be okay in softball. Like it's, it's, it might not be physically demanding in most positions, but it's definitely mentally challenging because you have to stay on point. Yes. I'm really glad you touched on this because this was probably one of the biggest lessons that I learned as a player in college is just, it's funny because you want positive outcomes, but you can't be thinking about the outcome. That's not what's going to get you those positive outcomes. You have to think about just like your approach and the controllables and, and focus on what's at hand and be really present. And I think sometimes like, I'll think about that. I'm like, that's a little bit like ironic, isn't it? Like the less, the more you think about it, (laughs) the less likely is that you'll, you'll do what you want to do, but it's true. You know, when you just really simplify and, and reprioritize it, it helps. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I, I think uh, the ability to to put yourself back in the moment, because everybody drifts, yeah. but the ability to come back in the moment, I think is what separates the greatest players who play the game. Sure, they, they have a talent above all talents, but it's really, I believe, their mindset and their ability to focus, you know, pinpoint their focus on what they're trying to do is what separates them, makes them great on a consistent basis. Right, right. Well, and if you think back to when you were in your playing days, like, and just in case, no, in case some people don't know, you know, you went to a women's college world series with UMass as well. What do you feel like you've learned the most since then throughout the rest of your softball journey? Well, I'll tell you what I learned there. Okay. And that I've taken with me. So that's pretty cool. I had a head coach. Well, I had two coaches. They were the same. I was lucky. I had the same two code. There was only two. And I had the same two the entire time, which is nice. There wasn't a turnover, which was rare back then. There was always turnover back then because the, you know, pay was different and everything. And my head coach was just 
I was coming from the West, real chill. She is was an Italian from Yonkers, New York, and everything was a big deal. And she made, but because everything was a big deal, she made everything a priority and everything was special. And I really appreciated that. There was never a dull moment in you know, I played at UMass and there was never a dull moment. You didn't go to, I remember one time I'm driving, you know, I'm not driving, I'm walking to practice. I didn't have a car and I'm going to practice and I show up and there's my head coach up physically building with a hammer dugouts for regionals. And then we're like, what do you do? She has a ladder, she put up some posts and she's physically putting planks, making a roof. And so in order to host regionals, you had to have a dugouts. Mm. And so she had told the NCAA committee she had dugouts. Well, here we are. We are able to host regionals. So she's like, well, I got to build some dugouts. So she's up there on a ladder and doing whatever, building the dugout and yelling at us, hey, do your first and third plays and stuff like that <laughs> during those moments. Um, and so I learned um, to be, you have to have ingenuity and there's always you got to have that can do. There's a way to figure just about anything out, you know, and don't get so focused on what you don't have. You know, people spend so much time focusing on what they don't have or what's not going right or whatever, that they don't focus on what they can do with what they have. So no, was that the best dugout in the world? Absolutely not. But it was a dugout and it allowed us to host regionals. And if nobody else was going to do it, she was going to do it in weird hours where she wasn't going to get in trouble from the school, you know, and like there was just a way to do everything. And so I've really taken that through my coaching career. And so, yeah, now you see, I have an unbelievable stadium that I get to work out every day and we have all that, but there's a lot of things we do on the side that we make happen ourselves. And prior to having that stadium, I mean, we, we gutted cages and we, you know, pulled weeds and we hung the fences and we built our own sheds and we hung our own speakers and like, Sure. Should other people be doing that and women stuff? Yes. But at the end of the day, there is a way to make things happen. And so you, you got to find that fine line between I'm going to push for great things to happen while at the same time, really, you know, making the most of what I already have with what I can do. And, and that's a fine line to, to cross, you know, fine line to walk on as a coach. But I think we do a good job with that. But since then, from a softball perspective, I mean, uh, it's not even close to the same thing. Like what we did back then, I know we go back to our 20 year reunion. They're like, back then, you know, we used to do this and that. And I'm thinking, are you guys, you know, you guys are definitely crazy. Like there is no way, you know, that that was what's going on. Like softball has changed. I mean, it's a completely different sport than the sport that I played back then. You know, there's been you know, not only is technology completely different, but the way the sport is played, the um, coaches are getting paid so much now that we're drawing coaches from everywhere. You have, you know, it's probably the one place where you have men and women. I don't know if it's equal representation, but it feels, you know, pretty 50, 50. Um, and you've got so many different ideas going on. You know, you've got the baseball people who played minor league baseball, um, in there bringing that. You've got men's fast pitch players doing it. You have women who have played fast pitch their whole life bringing it in. So you have so many different perspectives and everything. And it's just made offense just absolutely unbelievable, you know? And then it, of course, added, you know, picking pitches and all sorts of stuff. That stuff didn't happen at a high level when we were playing. Um, and then, of course, the athletes are just so much better. There, You know, there was definitely good athletes back then, but the number of great athletes now is just is crazy. And, and so from a recruiting stand and recruiting's just a whole other podcast, but recruiting is completely different than it used to be. Um, so you have to be a good GM now. You know, you never thought about being a GM 
20 years ago, or most people didn't, you know, probably Patty did, but like, um, now you have to know how to manage your money. You have to manage transfer portal. You have to manage, um, so many different things. And, and so I think that that is completely different now. Do you ever kind of miss the days when you feel like you maybe could have just focused on the game and not everything? Yeah. Yeah, without quite, I mean, it's never going back there, but yes, so much of our job isn't coaching anymore. Um, You know, the actually, I would argue the majority of our job out is doing stuff outside of the white lines, you know, and so to, that's why it's a trick. You got to find a time, you got to find the time to connect with your players. You got to find the time to coach your players. And then what really drives me nuts is you, you should be developing yourself, hmm. you know, and it's really hard to spend time developing yourself as a coach and a communicator and as a person when you're dealing with all this other, and it's really inefficient how we recruit and everything that we all do. It's, it's incredibly inefficient, but you have to do all the you know, pomp and circumstance and stuff, but it takes a lot of time, but it's taking time away from the players and it's taking time from developing coaches and stuff. And so do I miss the other days? Sure. I don't think it'll ever go back, but, um, I definitely think it was more fun. And I think that, uh, what you're seeing now, that's why you're seeing coaches retiring and you're seeing young coaches get out Mm -hmm. because the amount of time that it takes to be able to do that you're spending on things that aren't coaching is, is, continuing to increase and the time you're focusing on doing the thing that you love that you got into is getting smaller and smaller. Right. So then it just seems like the ability to adapt and make adjustments funny enough. Cause that's what we talk to players about, right. Is make yeah. adjustments is really at the forefront. Cause you said it earlier. You're like, I, I mean, it's, I've changed a lot over the years too, which to me, I'm like, well, that's good because it's changed a lot, you know? So, and you do have to kind of evolve with it. But it's also easier said than done to, to do. It's like, how do you figure out what things to hold on to that really matter and are important? And then what things to kind of, okay, I'll let this, I'll let this evolve with the times. Yeah. And you have to be you. And that's the thing. Like, I think most people can see through fake, you know, just fake platitudes like that, you know, um, So it's like, you have to learn. You can't just read a book and say, oh, that's a good idea. Like, you know, I mean, it has to fit, it has to fit your personality and what you already do. And then you always have to check yourself because it's like, you just, you know, we're all humans too as coaches. And then we say things and then in your head, you're like, oh, that is not, uh, you know, I could have done that better, you know? So you've always got that working in the back of, back of your mind. And so it's just, it's constant. You know, I, I think of coaching as like the bathroom fan. Like it's all, you know, when the bathroom fan is on, I can't stand the bathroom fan. Like it's just noise. And so like you walk around all day and there's always just stuff going on in your head. It's like there all the time. And so when you have those few moments, um, just where that you can turn the fan off, you know, when you have that few moments of quiet is just really, really special because there's just constantly something going on in your head. And I think that's every head. I don't think that's unique to me. I think that's the majority of the people who are walking around, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, in the middle of some of that chaos, when you think back to like, okay, well, you know what, this is why I fell in love with softball and this, this kind of life path for myself. What are the main things that you think of? Oh, I love softball. So, um, luckily I enjoy the grind. Um, so it's different from, for people like me, but, um, I love hearing cleats walking around on the cement when they're walking into the, you know, 
dugout. I love to hear when the ball pops into the glove. I think that's really special. Um, you know, so there's those things constantly, you know, you love, you know, every time we hear, I hear certain songs like walkout songs. I love walkout songs because you know, the player, whether it's my team or the other team, they pick that song for them. And I think it's really, so I love walkout. Now, sometimes when it's a good hear, you're like, Oh my God, this girl's coming up. Again. <laughs> but like, it, it, I think things like that are special and they, they help ping you. Um, but the thing that never gets old is seeing a player set like dreams and goals for themselves and working towards that and being able to do that, whether, whether it's only one moment in their life that they got to do it, that one, they worked four years and they were able to put together this one amazing game or whether it's somebody that was able to put together a full season or just, you know, I, there's so many times I've seen somebody do something one or two times that, you know, they're going to remember that forever. I, that will never get old because at the end of the day, I still think people are people. I don't think people have changed over the years. I just think habits have changed. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the, the way the world works has changed the way we do things, but human nature is, is still the same. And I think that just being around people and seeing the light in their eyes and seeing them happy. And, you know, I heard, I haven't heard this in a long time. I heard a player who's kind of stressed about school and a bunch of other things. And, you know, I, I was like, are you okay? I'm a little worried about you, whatever the case. I'm worried about this other stuff, you know. Not that she was doing bad, but you want to get that stuff before it it turns into something. Okay. And I was like, do you need time off? Do you need, you know, what do you need? You know, and she's like, no, softball is my happy place. And I would have never thought that coming from this player. So that I thought was pretty cool because you're like, okay, we are trying to create an environment where you love coming to every day. So that that's the stuff that drives you, you know, and you try to do it all the time, you know, and, and you don't always get it right, but you, you know, it's the desire to get it right, which is what makes it worthwhile. Very true. Even down to, like you said, the, the pop of the glove, that's one of my favorite things too. Um, mm. And even the smell of the grass and the dirt, like those kind of little things are, are energizing for sure. Oh yeah. You see the grounds crew when they're watering the dirt and yeah. like, yeah, it's really, you know, there's so many cool little, the one thing about softball being a little bit slower, like basketball, you don't get to appreciate any like that. Yeah. Stuff. Cause you're just running around like crazy. And I mean, I'm sure there's things they, like the net and stuff, but sure. you know, in softball, because there are those downtimes, you get the opportunity to appreciate some other things. And plus we are at the field a lot longer than everybody else. There is not a sport like I guess track or swimming or something, their meets are long, but softball games, because you can play a double header or there's no clock warm up. I mean, my God, the warm up is forever in the sport of softball. Now it's not like you just get out of your car, stretch, warm up and go. I mean, you got to have pre hitting and then you got hitting and then you got like, it's just it's like know, a it's whole all, game before yeah, the game. It's all, yeah. it's all day. So uh, you have time though, to appreciate some of the little things that other people I don't think get to see. You mentioned walk-up songs, so mm. I have to ask you, what would yours be? Oh, gosh. Ooh, uh, I shouldn't have opened it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I kid around with my team. I always kid around. I say, yeah, I will do 99 problems. Um, like, <laughs> around like that. I don't, I, you know, we didn't really have those when I was growing up, so I never really spent a lot of time thinking about it. But, you know, it's usually if something, if I'm kidding around with them, I usually pick something like that. I love it. Little Jay-Z. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, see, that's pretty hip. I know you said you don't understand what like Kayla Kowalik's no, tweets really are, don't. but, but that's, that's pretty hip. Like a kid came in my office the other day, yesterday, and she was like wearing camo and like stripes. And I'm just like, what are you doing? And then I'm just like, that makes no sense to me at all. Like, um, but I told her rest assured, if I think it doesn't look good, it's probably amazing. So good, you know, go you good job. <laughs> 
That's so funny. Oh, man. Yeah, we didn't have walk-up songs uh, when I was playing in college. But now that I've talked to some players, it is interesting how there's more thought that goes into it than I would have thought in the first place. Like, some really want, like, the pump-up song. Some really want the, I just need something to relax me before I get in the box song. And you're right, it's very personalized. And it's, it is a cool aspect of the game when you think, like, more deeply about it. Oh, yeah. I, I love it. I mean, even if, like I said, even when it's the other team, I'm like, okay, girl, that was yeah. pretty cool. You know, <laughs> good job for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, yeah, I totally agree. So anything else from your UMass days that you feel like were significant learnings in your life or memories or just important pieces for you as you even continue moving forward? Well, moving back, you know, to that saying, I said, your eyes only see what your mind knows. The thing about UMass that I absolutely loved was the loyalty. Mm. Um, so it's funny because a lot of my team was from like New York and Pennsylvania. Like they were rough relative to what I would have known being from the West. They were just city, but like, and I would hear them talk to each other and I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I'm like, I would punch you kind of situation. Like, cause they're always jabbing each other and making fun of each other and all that sort of stuff. And the sarcasm was off the charts. And I did think it was funny. Um, I am sarcastic by nature, but I didn't have that city vibe going on. Um, but the thing I learned though, the loyalty was off the charts. So, you know, we could mess with each other, but nobody messed with us. And you know, that the loyalty of you always show up, no matter what happens, you always show up. We never had to worry about a player not being on time or not showing up and not because it was the unwritten rules of softball. If you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. It wasn't that it was the, you showed up for each other. Like it, there was no doubt that, you know, they, people showed up to the basketball, women's basketball games. And most of us showed up, you know, if, if somebody had a job and they, you know, cause all of us had jobs back then. And if somebody had to run from practice and they had to go to their job, somebody on their team, maybe not even their best friend, but somebody on the team would like bring them a sandwich or something like that because they knew they didn't have dinner and you just always show up. And that's the thing that I think makes Kentucky softball so special is the players always show up for each other. And that's the, so I think that that was something it was, it was significant relative to what I had heard my other experiences of my other friends had, it, it was just completely different. And I think that that is pretty cool. And that's something that I've also taken with me along the way. Um, it was, a, it was a fun time. You know, you took somebody from the West. I'd never been on a plane before. I, I went to college sight unseen, you know, my parents threw me on a plane. They didn't even come with me, put me on a plane. I dropped off in, you know, Hartford, Connecticut. I had to figure out how to get a, uh, a shuttle to campus. I'd never done anything like this on my own. Um, and I plopped right there. I didn't understand anything about humidity. So I was in a sweatshirt. And I was hot every day. And, you know, you had to, you didn't have counselors. So you had to figure out how to do your own classes and you had to. And I think that, um, and when you would ask somebody for help there, now this I would not take, but it taught me a lot. They'd be like, what are you, you know, what are you dumb? You just walk over there and you go because of the whole, you know, Northeast thing. And it really taught me how to be independent as well. And it, it taught me how to be a thinker. And, um, you know, my coach was a expert in the rhetorical question and I didn't understand rhetorical questions till I to both of them were, you know, and I didn't understand the art of the rhetorical question until I had moved out there. And so they really taught me how to look at everything, like all sides of everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
you know, if you're ever complaining, they'd be like, well, you know, you're not exactly a rock star, but we put up with you kind of situation. And so they really always, when you're getting a little mouthy about the wrong things, they would put you in your place and they really made you oddly in their way of saying it to now today's day and age, it probably wouldn't fly because it was a different time period, but, (laughs) um, they made you think about other people. Like they were, they were always about being respectful of other people. The irony of the way they did it, they shot you down to make you understand it, which is what was a little different in that time period. I thought it was funny, but, um, you couldn't do that today, but, but the messaging was phenomenal. It was always think about everybody else. You always think, you know, when people are complaining about their parking tickets, they're like, well, that's how these people get their scholarships. So if you don't like it, don't park there, but otherwise deal with it kind of situation. And like, so they always taught you to think about everybody else. And I also think that that's one of the, one of the fundamental cornerstones of our program here. I think being respectful of the other team and being respectful of the game and of the fans and the staffers, no matter where you are, I think is something that uh, we do a pretty good job with. Yeah. Every now and then I get a little too mouthy with the umpires. So I got to do better with that. But, um, you know, I, I think that that it was, that was great messaging to learn where I went to school. I mean, I loved where I went to school. I don't think I'd be where I am today without the coaches and the program that I had back then. I can totally relate to, to that sort of Northeast culture thing. So I, coming from California, I did live in Connecticut in Stanford, Stanford area for a year or two. And Mm -hmm. I think when I first got there, I remember trying to unload my suitcases and I think people were, you know, dropping F-bombs to me in the street because I was taking too long, you know, (laughs) and I was like, okay. But I also, I'm like you, I I still have that sarcasm. My family and I kind of roast each other a little bit out of love. And I do like that, how that translates to the teammate and like the the team atmosphere as well. So Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's fun. It is. It's really fun. You're right. I don't know how much would fly now, but oh, it, none. it's, none yeah. <laughs> it built character at the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I have to work on communication. Where I'm like, that is funny. And I'm like, nope, can't say that. I was like, <laughs> say that. but anyway, yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, before we wrap up, I have just one question for you, which is with Kentucky softball, what are the biggest things that you hope for every single player, every single staff member, anyone who comes through that program takes away from their experience with you? Oh, well, I think the cool thing about Kentucky, and I, I say it a lot, it's not exciting. It's not one of the things you talk about on TV and stuff like that, but I think you can have it all. And I think it's so important that Yeah, it would be better for Rachel Lawson if every one of my players just took 12 credits. They were in a major that, you know, was really easy that you could have all your afternoons off and you didn't have labs and didn't whatever. And then, you know, you you rearranged your life so you could be 100 percent softball. And I know that's very attractive to some people. Um, And I think that that's good if that's all you want to do. But I Mm. think the thing that at Kentucky, I want them to have it both. I want them to have it all. And I think it's you know, when you're 18, you don't understand that a lot of the decision, the habits and the decisions you make when you're 18 to 20 are going to follow you when you're, you know, 40, 50, 60. And so if you develop those terrible habits when you're younger, it's hard to just be, okay, now I'm going to straighten it out, you know? And so it's, it's life-changing. And so I hope that every player here leaves having an unbelievable competitive experience. You know, I still want to win the SEC championship. You know, we all, we still aspire to do all those great things and we have the work ethic 
like nobody, but you also need to do that stuff outside of the white lines. You have to, you know, pick a major that's going to set you up for life, you know, and, and do what the things that you need to do to stay on track. You can do it. You can do it all. You can do both, but you have to be committed to do both. And, and so I hope when they leave here that they're set up with the habits and the skills and the fundamental baseline that will allow them once they get their foot in the door to just be able to, you know, skyrocket and have an unbelievable life. And so that's, and it's, it's hard to do that, but that, that's really what we try to do myself and my staff. We really try to do all those things so that it's better, you know, both sides are great. They're just great differently. And then maybe like Brittany Cervantes, you know, they'll come back and work for you multiple times and then that skyrockets their life. Not many people could put up with me as long as Brittany has. I definitely don't think most would aspire to do that. But for whatever reason, you know, I've been stuck with her a lot, but it's good. Seems like the relationship I'm I'm picking up on is that you're stuck with each other, which yeah, which I think we really are stuck with each other. I don't really know how that happened, but it's, it's really <laughs> unbelievable. Could be worse. Could <laughs> be worse. I, think, I don't know. <laughs> well, to wrap up, I play a game with everybody that comes on the show. It's okay. called Safer Out. So mm. I will bring up a topic, softball related. If you like it or you agree with it, you call it safe. If you don't, then you call it out. Makes sense. Okay. 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 All right. First one is the drop dead rule. Oh, safer out. out. <laughs> that out. one was planted. Let's be honest. That was planted. definitely out. Well, I would have said before I get it, but no, out completely out. Yeah, I mean that's tough, right? Do, do you take away a moral victory from the way oh. the team performed? Oh, your team, I mean, the way your team performed. Team. Yeah, I mean, I. <sighs> I don't really believe in moral victories, but yeah. like we definitely learned a lot during that game. I, I think that game gave us the confidence because Texas is a great team. They're coached well, yeah. good players, all that sort of stuff. I think it gave us the confidence we need to be able to compete at the Mary Nutter and things like that. Before that, I think we were a little teetering. And then about the fourth inning schoonover, like hit a different gear. Yeah. And um, it, I think it gave her the confidence to know that she was like, the real deal. Um, and so I think that that helped us moving forward, but, uh, yeah, that was a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> so if not a moral victory building blocks. Then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was irritating to say the least, but yeah. like, yeah, it definitely was. It was, you always learn something when you play great teams, you know what I mean? Yep. So that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. All right. First one. Okay. Second one is NIL safer out. Oh, safe. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's complicated, but yeah, you know. and we don't really know how to manage it yet. But I think in the future it will matter. I think it's like cell phones. The first generation of kids who had cell phones were so annoying um, <laughs> because it was new and whatever. And then like the now generations, because they've had cell phones their whole life, they're pretty cool. They know how to have conversations without the phone and all that sort of stuff. So I think you just got to get through it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good comparison. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that makes sense. All right, last one is bat flips, safer out. Oh, bat flips specifically out. Yeah. Okay. Why is it out for you? Well, I saw a kid, this was a couple of years ago. She bat flipped so hard that the bat bounced four times and went into the dugout and almost smoked a teammate. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm not into that. Um, but I do like celebrations and all sorts of stuff. I could just yeah. do without a metal bat flying um, at people. I think that can get a little dangerous. Yeah. Well, that's fair enough. I think that's completely fair. 
I mean, it was a tomahawk, whatever, on the biggest stage. And I'm just like, oh my God, this girl almost died. I think I know exactly what you're talking about now. Oh yeah. So <laughs> that's part. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, thank you again, coach. I mean, this was great. Loved having you. Um, I'm excited well, to see the rest of your season too. And just the rest of your career cheering you on. Well, I appreciate, it. I appreciate you thinking of us. I really do. It means a lot. It was fun having Coach Lawson on. I have been a long distance fan of hers for a while, and she didn't disappoint. You know, just picking the brains of coaches and leaders and just women like her is one of the best parts of this gig. And it's so fun to me every single week. So with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about sticking with it. You know, I just think about what Coach Lawson has built at Kentucky. I think about the programs that we highlighted today in covering our bases who are flying under the radar a little bit. They have all had to have faith in themselves and their process long before they got any external validation. Coach Dyfel talked about it last week. You know, when she won a national championship as a player at Cal, they were the only ones in Oklahoma City that thought that they were going to win and that they would beat Jenny Finch. You know, and as she's built up the Arkansas program to what it is today, before they ever saw success, she talked about how they knew that they had to focus on their process and that the outcomes and the fan support and all of that would take care of itself, but they had to have the foundation first. And this is hard. This is hard because you have to be patient through all the hard stuff. And when I've talked to Cal's head coach, Chelsea Spencer, for example, she's talked about how that's the part that's tough for her. She has to work on it is being patient because it's tough especially for competitors and just highly driven people that want to succeed. And I remember when Ramona Shelburne came on the show last year, she said, some of my best growing and character defining experiences are when things sucked. I wouldn't go back and change it because I like where I ended up. And it's just a good reminder for me, like having seen this theme kind of pop up throughout a lot of our episodes and conversations. Most of the moments, if I think about it, where I've really felt like, wow, you know what? I do feel like I'm growing in my career, in my relationships, in my own personal development, whatever. It's because I kept going. And most of the time it's like, if I hadn't kept going, whatever that growth is that I'm thinking about and experiencing wouldn't have happened. So sometimes you just don't know when you're just on the other side of something. The light at the end of the tunnel could be closer than you think it is, but it's hard because you can't cut corners to get there. So that's it. Stick with it. That's a foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, part of Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, including Believe.com and on YouTube too. Subscribe to the show, rate the show. And if you liked it, write a review for it. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V. You can reach out to me personally on Twitter at JennaBecerra01 and Instagram at JennaBecerra as well. As always, thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.